Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our fourth podcast. I'm your host, Evan, a licensed clinical social worker, clinical lead at the center, and I'm very excited that it's summertime. Resiliency Reimagined is a podcast produced by the STEM Center for Strength, a resiliency center working with individuals impacted by the shooting, which occurred at STEM school in May of 2019. Our podcast explores the resiliency of people and families impacted by trauma and ways in which helpers can impact these communities. Our guest today is Beth Horowitz. Beth is a former STEM staff member and is one of our facilitators at the center. Beth, I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Thank you, Evan. Thanks for having me as a guest. I'm happy and grateful to be here. Um, Originally from the East Coast and followed my dream of living closer to to nature, so found myself here in Colorado in 2015. Um, got my Master's of Arts in Teaching. I've been teaching for 13 years, mostly in primary grades. And um, above all, yoga has been a constant in my life. I took my first class after college and absolutely hated it and knew that <laughs> it was something I needed uh, more of in my life. And I've been practicing for uh, about 15 years now. Um, teaching for the past five and recently added um, a trauma-informed yoga certification. Um, so I teach group and private classes to adults, to children, and most um, really nearest and dearest to my heart, teaching trauma-sensitive yoga. Great. And you said you moved to Colorado to be closer to nature. What kind of stuff do you like to do? Uh, yeah, hiking, just exploring, getting out into nature, connecting with nature. Um, yeah, any chance I can. Cool. Uh, so today we'll be talking about factor, factors that have helped Beth in her journey over the last few years. First, as with all of our guests, Beth, how would you define resiliency and how do you see it play out within your life and those around you? Yeah, so resiliency, I think, is the ability to move through life in a way that integrates your your pain, your struggles and difficulties and not just weave them into your life, but actually utilize them as strengths. Um, and this is something that doesn't just happen. We have to really make a conscious choice to to cultivate it and to build it. I think sometimes people can define resilience as uh, moving on or like this sense of grit or being tough, which yes, I believe there's a place for all of those things. Um, however, I see it more as a moving with. Um, And there's a book um, that I would highly recommend called Bouncing Forward. The title actually inspired by the words of Maya Angelou when she was asked to describe resilience after many um, years of childhood trauma and poverty, and she called it bouncing forward. So I think um, sometimes we're conditioned by society to kind of avoid suffering and avoid pain and keep it kind of tucked away. Sometimes shame can really grow around it because of this, but I think when we are able to kind of shine a light on the trauma, the pain, and move through life with it, um, and the lessons it taught us, that that is really the gift um, that cultivating resilience offers us. Wow, um, that that was a wonderful definition <laughs> of, <laughs> I'm sitting here with like my jaw, like just hanging because of all of the different points that you uh, kind of pulled from there. Um, one of the things that uh, you had mentioned is kind of this idea that, that some people view resiliency as just moving forward, moving on kind of that like bootstraps mentality, like let's 
pull ourselves together and get through it uh, versus kind of honoring the things that, uh, that the trials, tribulations, that the difficult things that, that you've experienced and, and how they impacted you. Um, is there anything else that you would add about why honoring those things um, can contribute to resiliency? Yeah, I think when we're able to come to that space and also recognizing that that does not happen overnight, that that is a process and takes time, um, being able to honor what it is that the trauma taught us that we were able to grow from. And maybe it's maybe it's some things that we didn't ask for that we weren't ready to learn, but to really be able to explore that and go deep with that is when we're able to to truly become stronger, to become more in touch with ourselves, with our needs, and um, and really to evolve. Yes. So I continue to be impressed with the resiliency of this community. I feel very honored to be in the role that I'm in working with the community. How would you describe where you're at now and how that's changed since 2019? You know, it's interesting. Um, after the um, events of May 7th, uh, everyone kept asking me the same question. Everyone asked me, are you still going to teach? And it's was funny to me because I never even considered not teaching as an option. Um, And I became so curious why people kept asking me this question, like, are you still going to stay? And for me, I felt like my work in the classroom just wasn't done. And it was about shifting my focus, especially in the primary grades. I teach first grade. Um, And so I made a real conscious shift in my role as an educator um, on mental health for both my students and also for my colleagues starting to offer yoga for um, staff members after school and starting to put social and emotional learning really at the forefront. Um, I started including daily little mini mindfulness practices with my first graders and um, having community circles discussing emotions and how to regulate them like just making this habitual and by doing this i've seen such a shift in my students in their overall well-being their compassion and their empathy um so that's given me a lot of a lot of joy um and on a personal level there's many things that i still work through in my own journey um and there's things that that come up that provoke and and sort of trigger um my own my own stuff but i believe that that is there to teach me where I need to heal. Um, and again, like leaning into it, honoring it, um, instead of kind of pushing it away and yeah. seeing what it what is there to learn. Paying attention to it mm-hmm. and um, uh, recognizing that, hey, this is the experience that I'm having versus I'm just gonna push through and just move forward. Yeah, there's an analogy that I use um, sometimes in my yoga classes, like what what is it what happens when we have a physical wound in our body and then it gets re-exposed, right? Like all of a sudden there's pain again. Um, we're reminded of it, of the original wound. So what do we do? We, we might cover it up. We put like cream on it, Band-Aid, whatever it is, but we tend to it and we nurture it. Um, and so I think that's really similar with trauma and with these sort of emotional wounds that we don't see, that other people don't see. Um, and yet we learn how to, how to nurture them and how to tend to them. Yeah. So you have this experience and then this 
help motivate you to kind of push more for social emotional learning within the classroom. Why would you say that that is important um, and, and could be perhaps applied more in uh, other schools? Why, why is social emotional learning important for teachers? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I know it's a huge yeah. question. Well, and, and truly paramount. I mean, I believe that without that, learning may not be at its at its best right like kids have to have that sense of of um, emotional stability regulation and feel safe um, and know that their classroom that that is that is a community and that they um, feel safe asking for help for connecting with their peers um, and so I think that's that really needs to be at the paramount of education I mean all all across all grade levels yeah yeah I mean what what being a, a school-based therapist for uh, th- several years and then uh, working in my role, I mean, what, what we know is that if students are in survival brain or, or they're focused on uh, surviving, whether, whether that's because they've experienced um, a shooting at their school or whether it's because they've experienced any other type of trauma that is it impacts their learning so much so to be able to focus more on that and help them kind of re-engage that front part of their brain that helps them to learn um, I think that then leads to if the school is looking for better test scores better test scores and then that leads to other ways that uh, the students are interacting better and and that kind of thing so um, yeah is yeah, there is, is there a favorite uh, like mindfulness practice or anything that you do with your uh, classroom? Yeah, you know, it's funny too. I started off, there's so many resources online. Um, you can find little, short little um, mini kind of guided meditations geared for kids. And I started out doing just that and thinking, oh, how am I going to get six-year-olds to do this? And then it sort of evolved to the point where I would um, just play. I have, you know, a big smart uh, smart board in the classroom, and I would just play, you know, like an ocean scene or some something from nature and music and no words. And the kids were sitting for five to seven minutes in quiet and, and stillness. And it was amazing to me, like, wow, this is something adults struggle with. And yeah. if kids can learn these resources now when they're young, when they're just ripe for all of this, then they can carry this with them into their adulthood and, and when and if hardship should show up. Absolutely. Um, you've mentioned yoga. Uh, what are some, and, and we'll talk more about that, but are there any other factors that have helped you kind of uh, in your recovery journey? Yeah, for sure. I would say I was just pretty much open to any and all modalities of therapy, um, not just talk therapy, although I found that really helpful. Um, talk therapy helped me really dive deep into boundaries, how to kind of listen to my body, um, how to self-advocate for my needs, especially still being in school buildings, how to communicate my trauma to to other people, and also to know when not to communicate it to other people if I didn't feel safe doing so. So talk therapy was definitely beneficial for all of that. Um, Also, something I had never really explored and knew about was somatic body work. So um, really figuring out where the trauma was in my nervous system, in my physical body, and learning tools and breath work to kind of release that, to just tap in and access that was really powerful for me. Um, Also art. I was having a lot of kind of um, 
really intense dreams after the event happened on May 7th and some of the anniversaries that followed. And um, there was this reoccurring theme of being trapped and not being able to get out. Yeah. And one of my good friends and art teachers, she said, you have to draw. And I started, and I do not by any means consider myself an artist or a drawer. Okay. And I just started drawing windows and doors and literal ways out of these like terrifying dreams that I had and found it so therapeutic. Um, so that was kind of interesting and surprising for me. Yeah. Um, so you had said uh, I had done some somatic work and that that was helpful for you. Was that with uh, um, was that with a therapist that you did that? Like a or or how would somebody look into that who who isn't super familiar? Yeah, um, good question because that was something I didn't know about, and then I was just researching um, counselors and therapists that were specialized in trauma and found that was something that um, some counselors specialized in, yeah. and so um, kind of went from there. Cool. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> it took a while. There was many sessions where I kind of just sat and wasn't ready to 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 go there because it, it can be pretty intense. But you know, if you're patient with the process and and kind of let it unfold as it's ready, it's pretty powerful. Absolutely. And just to add a little bit more context to that too, um, uh, what we know is that following a traumatic event, oftentimes our body does hold on to um, those difficult things that, that we've experienced. And that's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. It's the way that our body helps us to not be in a position um, to to have that happen again and be ready to protect ourselves and that kind of thing. And so not only honoring the, the thoughts that, that you're having and, and maybe some of the anxiety, but but getting in touch with where that lives in your body and recognizing some of those ways that you can um, get get rid of or, or at least understand and work through some of those uh, body manif- manifestations I know can be really helpful for people. Absolutely. Anything else that's been surprising for you? Um, Surprising. I would say that it's a never... The healing process is really never ending, um, which sounds kind of daunting, <laughs> um, but it's it really it just kind of goes in any direction that it does. And sometimes, you know, I think we want to have sort of like this checklist or this objective, achievable outcome. We want to say, okay, I've conquered this, I've overcome this, and like now I'm good. But the reality is, it's a process, and it's a process of leaning into it and. Um, that's when I find the most growth and when we re-evolve and really heal. And, and with that, we have to be gentle with ourselves and, and really take the time, allow the time um, that it needs to take. Yeah. You hear a lot in trauma recovery community that trauma is not linear, right? And that it's as unique as your fingerprint. Um, David Kessler is another one of my favorites, um, grief expert. And he always says that like your experience is yours. It can't be compared to anybody else's. Um, and you can't expect it to, and it'll go through ups and downs and back around. And at times when you least expect it, there it is, and that it's all okay, and that that's all part of of the healing journey. Another thing that that surprised me in in the healing journey and trauma, sort of in general, is that I feel it sort of became a superpower in a way. Uh, for me personally, I feel like it supercharged my ability to have compassion for others especially those in pain and suffering. It's taught me how to really connect authentically with people on that level 
And not only that, how to give compassion, but also how to be able to receive that same level of compassion from others. So I'm really grateful for that. And to answer your question about what surprised me on the journey, I think it's about how much gratitude I actually have for it and for what it's taught me was really a a plot twist. Yeah. Did you, did you find that it was harder to, you mentioned both giving compassion and receiving compassion. Was there one that was harder for you to kind of come around to, or did they both kind of happen uh, around the same time with the same level of, of impact and that kind of thing? Oof, no, I would say um, definitely it was difficult for me in the beginning um, receiving compassion. That took that took some time and took some time to really be able to trust other people in, in, in their um, authenticity as well and be able to receive that um, and be in a good space to be able to receive that so that took a little bit of time but being able to give it and provide that compassion and sort of empathy for other people I mean it's something I think I've always had but I feel like I got like a jetpack or something yeah. after this event because it just like heightened it and you know, it's I, I just find ways that I can use that um, in my life to to help other people in their journey too. It's interesting to recognize that the differences in trauma recovery processes for different people are normal. Because typically, when we talk about normal, it's um, you know, nor- something is normal. It's it's something that can be expected and that kind of thing. But but every expert that you talk to, every survivor that I have the uh, that I talk to or I've heard from, they they have so many differences within their journeys, and those differences are normal. And if if I if I can't stress anything more in this podcast or or in a lot of the work that I do is just normalizing and then paying attention to and honoring that experience and and how it's different for you. But um, you you had also mentioned that that you had learned from uh, community that that these differences are normal. Why do you think community has been important for you and it can be helpful for um, other people who have experienced trauma um, and that kind of thing? Sure, yeah, I think, you know, no matter what you've experienced in life community is so essential as human beings just living on this planet especially now I think it's something we all really crave um it's always interesting to me like now because of technology we're in some ways more connected than ever before to people all over the globe and yet there's this sense of um real sort of authentic community and connection that feels like it's lacking or that people are craving so I think any way that people can can connect with others that have had a shared experience or are going along a path or a journey similar to yours, um, the healing and the recovery just kind of enhances itself. Absolutely. I would guess there's some, um, uh, it, it, it might be easier to be vulnerable or to um, kind of like share the nuances in uh, recovery with other folks who are also uh, ha- have a similar experience or, or can share things um, similar to that. Sure, absolutely. And and you hear you share stories and you hear um, where people are at in their journey, and it just it does kind of normalize, um, as you mentioned earlier, the the process, the journey, and make you feel you know like you're not alone in it. Yeah, has there been any communities that have been helpful for you? 
Yeah, so for sure, all the work that you guys are doing here at the STEM Center um, is amazing, and, and I'm so happy to be to be a part of it. Um, there's also a national support group for survivors of mass violence called the Rebels Project. It started here in Colorado um, after Columbine, and it's a nonprofit, uh, yeah, nationwide organization support group for people who've experienced these these events. Um, there's over 1,500 members, wow. and I think yeah, over 85 communities nationwide. So it's really, and, and sadly growing, Yeah. but also on the opposite end of that, there's amazing, there's resources, there's people, there's connection just waiting to, to be, to be had. With something like the Rebels Project and it being spread out across the nation, is that uh, something where you're typically meeting in person with people or is it more of a virtual setting kind of a combination of both yeah and especially after the pandemic now um definitely both um they have a facebook page that you can check out and it's it's very much geared um and protected sort of just for for survivors so it's not like this big advertised thing um so they don't they don't have a whole lot in that sense but what they do have is really is supportive and they've got an annual retreat actually happening this weekend here in Colorado, um, which is a weekend long um, retreat. You can come to as little or as many events as you want and see all kinds of experience, different um, mental health experts, um, facilitators, different modalities of therapy, and just really connect with with your community and your your other survivors. Okay. Is Rebels Project primarily geared towards adults or is there uh, opportunities for like folks that are in high school to also engage in these groups? Yeah, for sure. Um, And for example, the retreat that they have, um, that the annual survivors retreat, they have a special night dedicated to families. So people are encouraged to bring along their partners, their families, kids, and just kind of have the shared experience together. Um, But yeah, there's definitely space for that. Okay. Um, And then, as you had mentioned, yoga has been a helpful part of your journey. Uh, Something that you've been passionate about, it sounds like, both prior to 2019 and afterwards. Something that you help with uh, us at the center. Uh, Why is yoga so important to you? Yeah. um, You know, for me, yoga is not just something that I do on my mat. It it started that way for sure, um, that the physical component. But for me now, it's really how I show up for other people. It's taking some deep breaths when I'm in line at the store. It's having patience when driving and somebody cuts me off. It's having compassion for other people and mostly for myself. Um, Yoga is really a way for me of returning home. It's how okay. I sort of turn down the volume of the world and sometimes the chaos of it all and just tune into to my body, to my spirit. Yeah. How, how has yoga helped you develop compassion for other people and yourself? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it was a really cool thing that you said there. And I was just, I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering about um, <laughs> if you could kind of expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so being able to teach specifically, so I've taught yoga in in gyms and other centers, um, other environments, but being able to teach trauma-sensitive yoga for people who've experienced these events has been so powerful to see 
the growth that people make when they're regularly coming to class of maybe in the beginning starting to feel a little timid in their own bodies or a little unsure, a little nervous, and then transforming that and then feeling empowered and being able to make choices in their bodies and really listen and trust their intuition. So I I just feel honored that I've been able to hold that sort of space for other people. Um, And it's really deep in my healing process and been amazing to see that in other people. Yeah. For people that have, um, for people that have, or, or that are looking into trauma-informed yoga and that have gone to a normal yoga class. Can you describe wh- what's different uh, between that? And I know normal sure. yoga goes to a whole, there's sure. a whole bunch of different kinds. And Sure, yeah. And, and I think that's what can make it overwhelming or maybe unattainable for some people. Um, traditional yoga classes may seem just sort of out of reach or like something maybe you just don't do. Um, But the great thing about trauma, specifically trauma-sensitive yoga, is it's a very, very gentle approach and it is less performance-based and it is all about empowerment in your body. It's about connecting again in your body that may not have, have felt safe and about regaining and reclaiming that sense of safety within your, your physical body. Um, so for example, in a trauma sensitive class, you may, I may offer um, different choices or modifications within a pose and then allow you space to choose what makes sense for you and your body. And at first, this may be daunting, right? Like, what does that even mean? How do I know? Yeah. And I always say, you know, it's, it's, you may not always know the answer, and that's okay, but just asking yourself that question is a great place to start. You know, what does my body need right now? Where am I holding? Where am I maybe gripping? And where can I soften and release a little bit? And you had mentioned that you've seen people feel unsafe, who, who kind of started feeling a little bit less safe within their body start to feel more safe within their body and how incredible that process can be I think for somebody who has experienced uh, whether it's mass violence or or any type of trauma or just hard things there's so many things that we go through that cause us to distrust our body distrust the things around us um and so you're saying that that through trauma sensitive yoga and through yoga in general folks can become more in tune with themselves and trust their body a little bit more absolutely i remember waking up on may 8th the day after the shooting that i experienced and i knew that my life was completely changed and yet I had no idea what to do. It was just the strangest feeling. And all I knew how to do was go to yoga. And so I went and a teacher was teaching who I had been going to her classes for a while. And I told her what had happened. You know, she just gave me the greatest hug ever. And she looked at me and she just said, oh, you need to move. You need to shake. You need to move your body. And like, I had no idea what she was talking about. And and now I do like it really it there's there's the cognitive there's the mental part of it but then there's also this physical part that it's so much um, more nuanced we don't see it but we can feel it if we tune in that it's in there it's lodged in there and then being able to just sometimes just tap in and soften it maybe it's not ready to be released and that's okay but just being able to have an access point to go there in in a really like safe and nurturing way 
is I think what's what's so powerful. And I think the beauty and the great thing of it is, yes, what you're doing on your mat, but over time, how you start to see this evolve in your life off of your mat, just in your daily life. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that might think, um, it'd be better if I were more in touch with my body, but I'm not sure if I want to go to a, a trauma-sensitive yoga class. Is there anything else that you've found helpful or that you've heard others find helpful within kind of that like getting in touch with your body um, thing? Um, well, something else I would say to that too, it may be intimidating to like physically go to a class and yeah. be around other people. So I'm thinking that it's sometimes an, an easy access point is to just do some of these practices at, at home. Yep. You know, there's so many um, videos and things like that. So it's just in the comfort and space of your own, own home. And just, I would say, just being able to kind of quiet down for a couple of minutes each day. Sure. And just sort of notice what comes up without a sense of judgment and and just kind of going from there, just from this sense of like more curiosity than judgment. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of leads us full circle to what we were talking about uh, at the beginning in that if we recognize the things that our body is saying and we recognize the things that, that our, our thoughts are doing related to what we've experienced and we honor those or pay attention to them, we can move with them and flow with them versus trying to just stuff them down. And, um, and I think paying attention to the body response is equally as important in that idea of I want to get to a space of feeling more calm um, because your body is telling or your body can be telling you that you need to do something about it to get rid of some of this energy versus um, just trying to stuff it away for sure and I think sometimes that can feel comfortable in a way and I can't remember where I heard this but um, it was said like we're very we protect um, our our wounds really really well but what does that mean to protect it right like just sometimes it's we're holding it and not yeah. even knowing that we are and giving not even just giving ourselves the permission to let that go or to soften that I think is just so transformative yeah so someone who's coming to a trauma-sensitive yoga class at the center um, what do they need to bring if it's their first time coming? Sure, I would say uh, don't even worry about a mat. We have plenty of those here, um, but if you have one, great. Um, and honestly, just bring, I would say, bring an open mind and an open heart and try it more than once. Um, like I said, my first class I left, I absolutely hated it. I wanted nothing to do with it. And it kind of changed my life forever. So I would say you just yeah. never know where it could go, where it could lead. So try it more than once. Um, every teacher is different and has their own kind of style. Um, so try it and know that that really it's your, it's your experience. It's your felt experience in your body and you get to kind of create, create it for you. Great. So, um, Thank you so much for uh, being a guest on Resiliency Reimagined. I always feel really honored speaking with survivors uh, about their journey. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention 
um, whether it's stuff that you're up to this summer or just stuff that, that has come up for you as, as we've been talking through this uh, that we missed? Um, I would say uh, definitely check out the Rebels Project if it's something that you're not, um, if you don't already know about it. There's just amazing resources and ways to connect with other survivors there. Um, and yeah, just thank you for this opportunity and, and being here at the center and being able to teach here has been such an integral part of also my healing journey. So thank you for, for allowing that Yeah. and existing. Absolutely. Yeah, we love having you here. <laughs> thank you again, Beth. Some activities to keep an eye out for at the center in the coming months are every Wednesday, we've got our open art studio from 11 to 2. We've been doing some really cool things lately and check out our social media to see what we've got coming up next. Family Fun Fridays are from 12 to 2 on Fridays, and that's art for our younger community. We've got a Super Smash Bros. tournament coming on July 11th from 11 to 4, so bring your A-game if you'd like to play. We should have tournament availability for both elementary school kids as well as middle and high school and alumni. We have a game day with our community partner at Enchanted Grounds in Highlands Ranch for alumni. That's on July 18th from 2 to 4. And then at the end of July, we've got our end of summer soiree on July 29th from 10 to 2. That's in Central Park in Highlands Ranch. We'll have food, some games, and last year was a lot of fun. So look out for that. Thanks for listening and being with us. Have a great rest of your day and keep an eye out for our next episode, which will drop at the end of July. Thank you.